This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin, and I'm glad you're here, here with Mike Rodak and the newest member of Bama 247, part of the 247 Sports Network. It is Alex Scarborough officially joining the Bama 247 team as the newest staff writer, or as Mike and I were joking a little while ago, um, associate staff writer, co-assistant staff writer, making fun of all the new titles and nicknames that the new Alabama football staff has. Alex Scarborough joining us here at Bama 247. Alex, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I thought you were going to call me like assistant to the regional manager or something like that. We're going to get into some office lines, but I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be on board. Uh, the great team and whole new situation with a new staff. I don't think we expected that a few months ago, but here we are. That is, uh, for one, we're, we're very easygoing here at Bama 247. Whatever title you want, we make it happen. Like, that's just, I don't know if in terms of certain pay raises that probably come with some of Alabama's titles. I don't know if we can make that happen, but um, whatever title you want, um, we can surely make that happen. But I know that a lot of Alabama fans probably familiar with you, Alex, and your work. Uh, you've been at ESPN for seemingly forever, but give us a quick sketch, quick rundown um where you're coming from maybe why a little bit why you decided to join us and as i did way back when when we first launched roll pod um your favorite memory in covering alabama or sec sports sec football in general Ooh, that's a lot so i've been with espn for the last 12 years i actually started out just covering alabama back when espn tried to do the team site thing didn't work or didn't work out as well as it did with 247 but uh stayed on with them covered alabama covered the sec did some national stuff, but living in Birmingham, as I do, down in Tuscaloosa quite a bit, able to have conversations with Nick Saban, players on that staff. Um, so I did that actually previously to that, worked at the Tuscaloosa News for about a year. So even more experience with the University of Alabama. So needless to say, I'm very familiar. And to get to your question about the favorite moments, it's very hard because it feels like there have been too many of them. I mean, I remember a lot of Jalen Hurts games. I remember the second and 26 countless iron bowls that have just been incredible including this past one uh there are too many to count but i will tell you my favorite reporting experience was spending about a week in west virginia learning about nick saban as a child and let me tell you he was different even back then i know we've changed staffs but i think people would still be interested to find out that he was quite the uh 
I think hard ass, I think we're allowed to say that on a podcast. <laughs> was that even in, in high school winning state championships. So being in the mountains of West Virginia for about a week and learning about that was uh, almost as good as any game I covered. And there were a lot of good ones to cover. So when you say hard ass, what kind of stuff, like give us a story. Like, what do you mean by that? Oh, like no holds bar. If you are not where you're supposed to be, he will grab you by the back of the neck and drag you there. That's who he was in high school. It's obviously who he turned out to be as a head coach. But I mean, that's what happens when you are growing up around coal miners and your dad was a football coach and your dad took no, no gruff. He was that guy. And not to mention, like we, we talk about all those things. He was a fantastic athlete on top of that. All state in football, all state in basketball, went to Kent State and then switched positions. Like, let's not, he didn't play a lot of defense in high school. So let's not forget the athleticism that was there. Um, he never could have played at Alabama. He'd be the first one to say that. But an incredible athlete who just had a sense of determination that uh, you really learned was there at a young age. I mean, I wrote about him every step along his career, and it was, he was the same guy. Um, and there's a reason he was the GOAT. It's because he just he knew what he wanted to do. He went for it, and he had all the, the discipline to be able to carry it out. Awesome. Awesome. Love that. Love hearing stories about Saban. And we're going to share a lot more fun stories now that you are part of the team. So welcome one more final time. Mike, I don't have near the rollout for you because people know who you are, but how are you doing on this Friday? I'm doing well. I'm uh, very glad to have Alex on board. You know, I've been uh, around Alex now for all five years that I've been on the speed. And I <clears throat> certainly knew about him even before that when I was uh, working for ESPN, you know, covering the Buffalo Bills. I think there's a few times when he reached out to me uh, to reach out to a few Alabama players on the Bills roster and uh, help him with some of the stories that he was working on. So, um, I mean, heck, I think there was even a time when I was uh, first dating my wife when she brought me down to an Alabama game for the first time and I did not have a cell phone signal in the stands when uh, I knew the press box was right behind me and I knew Alex. And so I pulled out and I just had enough of a signal to email alexscarbro at espn.com. I can put that email out now that you no longer yeah. work there. And uh, email it all you want, spam it. Right, exactly. It <laughs> bounce back. And so Alex sent me the, the login information uh, for the, the press box <laughs> Wi Fi. Uh, that was. That was 2017. That was the Arkansas homecoming game when Damian Harris ran for, I think, an 80 or a touchdown on the first play of the game. And um, yeah, that again, that shows you how long Alex has been around. He's certainly most of the the uh, the Nick Saban era, you know, knows the team really as, as well as anybody else uh, on this beat and, and around this um, market right now. So, um, you know, really happy and, and thrilled really to, to have him with us. So I'm still the newest one on the beat, clearly, at least at this website. Um, and both of you guys live in Birmingham. I'm in Tuscaloosa. So this is good. This is good. This is really and good. We all have nothing on Kirk. Let's just acknowledge that. <laughs> right. I, I do say as long around as long as anybody. I, I should have included Kirk. You know, Kirk, as we all know, is uh, you know been around. He was what Bear Bryant's SID back in the, uh, the early '70s. So it's um, Kirk's. Kirk's got a few few extra years of experience on us combined, I would say. Literally from Bayer to Saban, he has covered or been around for the entirety of the Alabama program. Impressive. And we're glad he's on the team too. Um, today's show, now that we got uh, Alex's official introduction, um, we're going to talk a little bit of spring football. Uh, practices officially start Monday. Um, 15 spring practices through about mid-April. Um, 8A spring game is going to be April 13th. We're not going to dive too much into it because we're going to have plenty of time to do that between now and a day 
Um, going to mix in some basketball here and there too. We'll circle back around to the hoop guys next week. Wanted to start here um, with spring ball. One thing that we're all kind of excited to see over the next month and a half. I know that there's not going to be a ton in the way of like really learning what the 2024 um, season is going to look like at least early on, but we're going to get to kind of see maybe some skeleton stuff and maybe pick up some hints here and there about what to expect in 2024. Alex, you're the new guy. So I'm going to start with you. What are you most excited to see or learn um, when it comes to Alabama spring ball um, over the next month and a half? Yeah, not to be Mr. Obvious, but I think it's the way Jalen Milrow fits into the offense and the way the offense in turn fits around him. I mean, we know Kalen DeBoer and his history and being able to not have to be one thing offensively. I mean, they're going to have overall concepts in terms of being spread, multiple, having a power running game, all of those things. But what it can look like in a quarterback position in particular can vary. And it's going to be very interesting to me to see how he marries what he wants to do offensively with the skills that Jalen Milrow has. We saw one of the most interesting seasons last year. I know it didn't end in a national championship like everybody wanted, but the development of Jalen Milrow over the course of the season, he almost changed as a quarterback and the offense changed with him. So to see his continued development and what DeBoer and Sheridan and those guys can do with him, uh, very curious to see that. I think he's got a lot of room for improvement, particularly as a passer, particularly in terms of the feel in the pocket and all of those things. And he's still young in the position. I think we need to recognize that one full year as a starter. So to see that development with a guy who has a really strong track record at that position, very interesting to me. Um, I know it's obvious. I know he's a guy who's going to be a Heisman front runner, but I think there is a significant room for improvement. I'm very interested to see the little breadcrumbs we get along the way this spring. No, I like that. I like that you started with the quarterbacks because that was um, we've been rolling out spring, you know, pre-spring positional previews all week on Bama 247. Go check them out. You got to be a VIP to read them. Um, and we obviously started with the quarterbacks. And Mike, I'm kind of curious what you think here as well. Um, I, the one thing that I've been doing is kind of like breaking down who's in the room, who left, who's new. Two quick thoughts and one big question about each position group. And the one question that I had regarding quarterbacks was, is there a competition here? And that's going to sound really, really weird because Milrow earned first place votes in the Heisman Trophy race last season. Like you just laid out, Alex, really developed over the course of the season into, you know, at least a more complete quarterback than he was maybe in week one. Um, you know, I think I likened his development to that of the evolution of a Pokemon where, you know, at the, by the end of the year, he was a fire breathing weapon and he was really kind of using all the tools in his belt, whether it was the deep ball, the short passes, quick decision-making, obviously using his legs as well. Um, but it's a different offense. It's got different demands. It's, you know, Kalen Boer has, Kalen DeBoer has a track record of use like successfully implementing this offense literally at every single stop he's been at. Um, is, is Jalen Milrow going to be able to seamlessly fit into this offense? Or does he think Ty Simpson, who may be a better pure passer fits a little bit better or the guy that followed them from Washington off the Mac, right? He just transferred in after redshirting last year. Is he the better fit? I don't know. That's just one of the questions I had about this particular position. Mike, I'm curious what you think. Like, is it just easy to assume Milrow's going to be the dude or what do we think about quarterbacks going into the spring? Uh, I think that would be probably a stretch to say that he is going to be the guy. I think he was the guy last year. I think that was a different coaching staff and the results. If you look at kind of the advanced analytics of where that offense finished last year, were not good. It was one of the worst offenses in the Nick Saban year, even though it did get better as the year went on, uh, you know, it had a 
I'd say pretty good performance against LSU, a very good performance. Um, you know, I had some other pretty good moments, but the overall package, the overall result of that offense was not good enough to win a playoff game, was not good enough to win a national championship. So I don't know if that just if that earns Jalen Milrow to right to be the undisputed starter with a new offensive coordinator, new play caller, new system, all that. Like that's it wouldn't make sense for Kalen DeVore, Nick Sheridan to walk in and um, just hand Jalen Miller that job. So that's, that's, it's a tough situation for him because I think if it was the same staff and it was Tommy Reese and Nick Saban again, like I think he'd probably be in a little bit of a better spot. Um, but this is an offense that even DeBoer has said, like, you know, your precision drop back passing is going to be important. Um, probably more so than you know, the ability to get outside the pocket and run. And Jalen Miller has come along a long way, you know, from, where he was as a drop back passer, his first start against AM two years ago, um, has shown a lot of improvement there. But like you said, is there a better pure passer on the roster? And Ty Simpson might be that guy. In fact, I even remember Ty Simpson saying something to that effect uh, when I talked to him at the Rose Bowl, and he kind of went through the superlatives of each quarterback on the roster. And um, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth necessarily, but I, he pretty much said that, that, um, you know, in terms of being a passer, um, that was certainly something that, um, you know, is, is he's pretty good at. So, yeah, in fact, I'm finding a quote right here. Ty Simpson, this was at the Rose Bowl. He said, we're all different. Jalen is one of the most dynamic players in college football. Buck, talking about Tyler Buckner, who's gone, is really smart. I feel like I have a lot of arm talent. So, um, you know, does that arm talent mean more in a Kalen DeBoer offense? I think we'll we'll have to see there. But um, I guess to go back to your your previous question in terms of what I'm looking for in, in terms of practice, I do think there's a lot of positions where I think we know what they have. We know what Tyler Booker is. We know what Jaden Roberts is. We know what Malachi Moore is. There's certain positions where you can kind of say, even though there's been a change, you can feel good about those positions. It's the positions that there's been a lot of turnover outside linebacker, cornerback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, where there's going to be a younger guy or a transfer stepping in that we've never seen really on the practice field or see play in a game. Those are the guys I'm going to be looking at. Who's at left tackle? Who's at corner? You know, who's at wide receiver? That's, and you know, maybe some of those young guys come in and, and surprise this coaching staff. I think that's quite possible. Um, but there also could be some guys who step in on the first team that just don't look like they belong there. And and maybe they need to go out and find somebody different this April. Yeah. To, to put a bow on the, the quarterback talk, one thing, I, I do think people need to remember that this staff was very high on Ty Simpson only a year ago. That was not make-believe. He does have a lot of arm talent. He's got to put the rest of it together and show it in high-pressure situations. It's a very different thing. And with, with Jalen Milrow, it was too much boomer bust last year. I, I don't know another way to look at it. It was like a jackpot offense. You got everything or you got nothing. And there needs to be more in between. The one reason I think you should be hopeful for him, when we talk about Mike's right, this was one of the worst offenses of the Nick Saban era this past year. It was also one of the worst assemblages of talent on offense. The receiver room was not good enough. The offensive line room was talented, but it did not produce. So, and the running back group was so inconsistent. There were good moments, but there were there was not a lot of help around Jalen Milrow. And I think the hope for you as an Alabama fan right now has to be that this staff has a strong track record of putting together balanced offenses. 
if they can put more around Milrow consistently, he will then in turn be a better quarterback. So I do think it's right to say that there's pressure on Jalen. He's the incumbent. He's the favorite. He's all of those things. But he does have a lot to prove. I just think that he's going to have more help potentially in this offense than he did a year ago. I like that. That's a good point. And I think the staff has also shown, you know, because DeBoer, you know, before he became the offensive coordinators, um, you know, at various spots before he ultimately became a head coach, like he always works with the quarterbacks, right? And he is has a track record there of really helping quarterbacks expand their skill sets. He's gotten the most out of a lot of different guys. Obviously, he worked wonders with Michael Penix Jr., both at Indiana and the last two years at Washington. So I think Milrose is a guy who could really benefit from coaching like that. He could really kind of expand his you know, quarterback tool belt a little bit, but that's only if he's able to hang on to the starting job. You know, that's, I think that goes the same for a guy like Ty Simpson. I think that goes for the same for a guy like Austin Mack. Like if either one of those guys, whoever's QB one, they are going to, you know, Kalen DeBoer is going to work his magic on them. And they're going to, I think there's, you know, really good things that are going to happen in this offense for whoever ends up taking snaps for Alabama. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So that's one of the many things that we're interested in. I'm glad we kicked it off there. Mike, What? Uh, what's one thing you're really excited to see during uh, spring ball? So I'll get to it. I'm actually excited to see practice. And of course, that, <laughs> that's the elephant in the room. Um, we were going to get it, get to it at some point. But it look, it's uh, it's a change. And it's been out there now for a couple of days where, um, you know, Alabama is going to open practice back up to at least three of them right now where we can watch in the spring. Um, and not just kind of the stretching and um, kind of useless drills, not useless to them, but useless to us that – you don't like the mobility exercises, Mike? Right. Well, it's the stuff that um, normally we've been relegated to in the past, but we're going to, it sounds like, see more in terms of 11 on 11s and, and stuff that you can actually build a little bit more of a picture and um, see things a little bit better as far as where the team is at. And that's <clears throat> certainly a change um, from Kalen DeBoer, or I should say from Nick Saban to Kalen DeBoer, where the we used to have practice access under Nick Saban through 2019 that went away with COVID briefly came back at the beginning of fall camp in 2021 and has not uh, made an appearance um, really did not make an appearance the rest of the Nick Saban era, other than the bowl games, which mandated it. So this is different. And this is a, um, I think a very uh, thoughtful um, uh, deliberate decision on the part of Kalen DeBoer to allow us in there. And um, you know, the word partnership, I think, is something that gets brought up. It, it's something where I think he understands the the job that we do and, and the meaning of our, our work. And um, it's not only that. It's not only being able to watch practice. It's also being able to talk to um, coordinators, which we'll be doing on a weekly basis now, uh, as opposed to Nick Saban, where it was once a year in August. Um, again, other 
than what was mandated by the bowl games and assistant coaches, position coaches specifically that were never available uh, under Nick Saban uh, unless there was a bowl game. So uh, that's something where I think he as well is appreciative of, of the opportunities that he got when he was a younger coach to um, be able to, to talk to us. And I do think, you know, even though it might be a little bit inside baseball, I, I do think it's something that, um, again, this is Kalen DeBoer's program. He's coming in, he's he's um, sitting down and, and making these decisions, and they're not necessarily the same decisions that Nick Saban made previously. And it's um, sim- symbolic to some extent, I think, of just the overall um, changes that are happening over there. Yeah. I'll, I'll add why you should care about that if you're a fan who doesn't care about what the media gets access to. NIL, recruiting. <clears throat> this is a staff that has that has some people with connections in the South, but some people that don't. So the more that they can get in front of the media and therefore get in front of the public, the more they can be known in this region, the easier time they're going to have explaining who they are and what they're about. The Crimson A on the chest goes a long way, but getting their personalities out there, I do think if it's not the main reason why Kalen is opening up things more than Nick Saban did, I think it is going to be a benefit for him long term. Because, like I said, it's going to get those guys like a Nick Sheridan, a Jamarcus Shepard, who maybe don't have the biggest reputation in this part of the South just because they haven't been here. I think that eventually will come, and this will help them in that respect. Yeah, and what I would add to that is maybe a little bit more inside baseball is that we obviously love a little bit more access. We love getting to talk to players a little bit more. We love talking to assistant coaches a little bit more. Um, and for the purposes of our job, I know somebody already asked on the board, like, you know, or I don't know if they asked, they said, like, I don't care if the assistant coaches talk or not. I just want to see the program win. Totally fair. I get that. For our purposes, when there's more access, we can kind of paint a fuller picture of kind of the, the players, the coaches, the teams, what they're doing on a day-to-day and a regular basis. Like, we're able to ask coaches who might be able to provide a little bit more insightful questions. Like, if we see something that goes on on the offensive line. We're going to be able to talk to Coach Cap and ask him certain questions like, hey, what, what went right? What went wrong? Little things like that. So we can kind of help the fans understand their favorite team a little bit more or a little bit better than maybe they did previously. So I know that we're excited about that. And um, I think readers should absolutely be excited and about that, too. It also sounds like there's a possibility, if not a likelihood, that coordinators will talk after games immediately, um, which, again, you go back to a situation. I forget which game it was last year. The whole thing about. Milrow not being under center at the goal line and said he was in shotgun and people were, were screaming at their TVs from home. And I, I don't even know. I don't think it got asked of Nick Saban. You know, it's usually pretty brief after the game. And then really it wasn't until Monday when I asked a question of Nick Saban. I couldn't ask it of Tommy Reese, who's actually calling that play. And Saban comes out and to be honest, kind of ripped Tommy Reese for, for not being in, uh, in, under center in that particular point. But at that point, they had already turned the page to the next game. It was the Monday of a game week. And that became the big story of the day when it, it probably was more of a story for that Saturday night or that Sunday morning. Um, so, again, I think that part of it helps as well in kind of getting more immediate answers. I think there's some topics that just having covered this team for the past five seasons, you want to ask a coordinator about but you don't have the opportunity in between the first week of August and then the last week of December. And there's so many things that happen in between. And then you're asking these questions at the end of the year when it just, it's weird timing. Like you're asking about something that happened in October. So um, I think this, this certainly helps alleviate some of that. I think there's still a lot of fans who'd like to know what the play call was at the end of the Rose bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I tried to ask Tommy Reese and he walked away, but that's a story yeah. for another day. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> all good points. I know, I know I'm personally excited to get to talk to some of the assistants. Um, so I'm glad that we're all hopefully going to take advantage of that. And obviously the readers, I think will enjoy the access that we get as to one thing I'm really excited to see this spring, the secondary, um, because there was a lot of turnover there just between the NFL draft, the transfer portal, um, and just also the guys that are coming in both via recruiting class and the transfer portal. There were 11 departures from last year's roster in the secondary. Um, trying to find the specific number six, at cornerback five at safety. Um, that's going to apply a lot of pressure on the new guys in the room. So you've got like Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry on Arnold, Jalen key all left for the NFL draft. But then you also had Caleb Downs, Trey Amos, Christian Story, Earl Little, Jake Pope, Des Ricks, Antonio Kite, Jameer Grimsley all leave through the transfer portal. Um, I think we all can agree that the loss of Caleb Downs is probably the biggest one out of that group in terms of the guys who are returning. Um, but that's, you know, just in terms of production and football IQ, that's going to be a huge hole to replace. Um, the good news is Malachi Moore's back for his fifth year. Um, so that's just, you already have your unquestioned ringleader there. Um, but in terms of, you know, cornerbacks, you've got Damani Jackson in who transferred in from USC. I know he struggled a little bit last year, but he's got a lot more experience than everybody else in the room because behind Damani Jackson, you've got Zabian Brown, Jalen Mbakwe, Jaleel Hurley, I think is still there. I'm pretty sure that's all the cornerbacks on the roster. When you look at safety, they brought in Keon Sab, who played for Michigan last year, got a lot of playing time in the national championship game, as well as the their semifinal against Alabama, I'm pretty sure. Um and then you've also got, you know, Zay Mincy is a highly touted recruit. Devonta Smith is back after dealing with some injuries last year. Um, you know, you've also got guys like Bray Hubbard, um, Tony Mitchell's there. But just, you know, a lot of guys who we've probably been talking about for the last few years, but not a lot of guys that have proven a lot or have played a lot. You know, I think if you look at the numbers, Malachi Moore's played, he played like 750 snaps last year. Every other safety on the roster like hasn't even sniffed like 200 combined. Like it's just there's a lot of green there, and I'm kind of curious to see how that puzzle comes together. Not just who's going to play, but also where they're going to play. I know Kane Womack now at defensive coordinator, <coughs> mostly running a similar defense to what Saban has run. Um, you know, so like they're going to have a star position. They're going to have two guys on the outside at corner. They're going to have a free and a strong safety. But just like, what does it look like? Who's where? Do the freshmen stick at corner? Do they, you know, mix and match at safety? Who plays star? Is that a spot for Mbakwe to maybe kind of ease his way in? Or do you trust Malachi more there more? Um, I don't know. I'm just really intrigued to see how the whole thing comes together because there was so much turnover. Where yeah. Malachi Moore goes is going to be, because he was a guy who was so versatile. You could put him in a lot of different positions. How they choose to use him, I think will tell you a lot about how they feel about the rest of the group and whether they trust those guys in the position. And it's funny, all the names that you just listed, I think the one that I think had to have stung more than some of the others, obviously Caleb Downs, but Trey Amos was a guy who looked like he was ready to take the next step. A guy yes. who could say, okay, there's there's our corner on one side, let's find out the other one and we're going to be fine. Nope, you got to do something else. So that one really hurts, and they were going to get stung in the portal. It's going to happen. But that was a guy I think they could have used. There's a lot of talent there, but it is quite the uphill battle, especially when you factor in, oh, by the way, the guy who's creating the most pressure for you, Dallas Turner, has now left the building. So if you can get some pressure up front, it'll help the back end. It's, I, I believe in the talent of the group. I just I agree with you. There's a lot of questions to be answered there. Yeah, and I'm just I'm really curious to see how the puzzle is going to come together. And, I, you know, we may not. I think that was one of the things I ended up writing about the defensive backs earlier this week is that, you know, what's the one big question? 
I'm curious what the two deep looks like at the end of spring when looking at the secondary, because that'll kind of show us, okay, who's gaining the trust of the coordinators and the coaches who's kind of like, what positions are they falling into? Like, what is it going to look like come fall camp? You know, this, I think this is another spot too, just defensive back in general, like, they could target the portal for an experienced safety or try to go find another experienced corner. And I think that might tell us how they also feel about the guys that are currently in the room. Like maybe the freshmen need a little bit of time to come along for as talented as they are. Maybe they need another safety to kind of shore up the back end a little bit because the guys already in the room just aren't getting it done in spring ball. I don't know. I, there's just a lot of different branches off this tree that I think are really interesting to pick at. I would be shocked if by May we're not talking about them having picked up another corner. I think that's, number one on the list in terms of just volume like you, you're going to need more bodies at corner um that's the number one position i'm expecting them to to look at in the portal in the spring hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, final part of today's show. Um, we talked about the things that we're excited to see. Um, we'll go back around the room again with the one question we want answered by the end of spring ball. Alex, what's your one question that you would like to have answered by April? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'd like to see who gets chewed out first. If, if uh, Kalen DeBoer goes that route, it'd be nice to see personality wise. I just want to see the, what the overall shape of the offense is going to look like, how much they marry their passing game versus the running game. Are they going to be able to go between the tackles? Uh, we'll get a taste of it this spring. They have tackles. Yeah. They got to find some. That's right. <laughs> But if we get to spring game and maybe we'll get a glimpse of it, but just the overall shape of the offense, especially when you factor in the fact that Ryan Greb went out the door and and that was, while not unexpected, still a tough loss. So, you know, let's see what the offense looks like and throw one on top of that. What can Ryan Williams do? Because that kid can ball. And I'm very interested to see how quickly he can get acclimated to the offense. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And I, I, you know, a lot of people associate DeBoer's offense with high flying pass game. And, you know, obviously at Washington, they had Penix and Adunze and Polk and McMillan, and that's all fine and good. But also like their running back, Dylan Johnson, what led the SEC in rushing touchdowns, like second in SEC in total rushing yards. Like they are not afraid to pound the rock if they need to. Right. And you look at the backfield that Alabama has. Big old 22, Justice Haynes, like maybe it's time to let the dog off the leash a little bit. Maybe that's where they start while they try and figure out some of the other stuff, too. I know there's some questions about the receiver room, about maybe who the alpha might be. A lot of people are excited about Ryan Williams, but he is not going to be here until May. So we'll, you know, we'll see. Maybe play where your strengths are. What do you think, uh, Mike, just about the way the offense might come together this spring? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what question I want answered because I was pondering that as well, because it's, it's a very deep question. In fact, it's hard to answer 
many questions after spring. I think it's it's going to be a team that we're probably asking a lot of questions about through the fall. But to me, the biggest one is who leaves after the spring, because there's going to be guys that maybe thought about it in January with the coaching transition and maybe, you know, with the way that it all happened, guys are already enrolled in classes and maybe some guys thought, hey, let me just finish the semester, see where I'm at with this new staff on this new depth chart, if you want to call it that, and then maybe I'll leave. And I would be shocked if nobody leaves after April. Like, I, I do think there's there's going to be at least a few guys that say, you know, they, they come out and, and they see where they are. They see they're not a good fit. They see there's another guy ahead of them and they make the decision to leave. And, you know, the number one player that I would still look for, and it's been kind of an ongoing thing, it seems like since the beginning of time, is still Ty Simpson. And what does Ty Simpson do? Uh, because he was noncommittal about, him staying at Alabama at the Rose Bowl. When we talked to him, he ended up staying. I think he might have even stayed if Nick Saban was still the coach. Um, but again, if he's not feeling it through 15 practices and he still thinks that he has a shot somewhere else to play this year, then I do think it makes sense for him to make that jump. Um, I don't know if it makes sense for him just to stick around and, and not play again for a third year as a former five-star um, I was going to say draft pick as a former five-star recruit. Um, it just doesn't make sense. So he's still the number one guy. And the biggest question to me that needs to be answered is who's leaving during that spring period, April 16th through the 30th of the portal. Yeah. And to kind of tack on to that Ty Simpson conversation, I, you know, going back to the Rose Bowl where he said he's got tremendous arm talent. I think we're all in agreement that in terms of pure passer, we haven't seen Austin Mack yet, but like Ty Simpson throws a really pretty ball when he's protected. And so you look back at what Alabama was able to do last year. I think a lot of us are also maybe in quiet agreement that Milrow got the job in large part because he could extend those plays when the offensive line broke down. Um, and I think I had made the comment at one point that like if the offensive line was even a little bit better, there's a real strong case that Simpson probably should have been the guy last year, um, which makes me curious, like through spring ball, if they're able to figure some things out on the offensive line, namely the tackles, because the interior looks like they're fine. Um, if they're able to figure that out, like, could is this an offense that Simpson could thrive in, you know, and maybe it is and he sticks around, maybe it isn't, he goes somewhere else, or maybe it isn't and he just decides to hang around and be the backup. I don't know. There's That's going to be a very intriguing little subplot to follow throughout the spring as well. I think the one question I want answered, I have a lot of questions that I want answered. I've literally been writing questions all week. Um, I want to know who the alpha in the receiver room is. And I know that there's a lot of people that are super excited about Ryan Williams, the five-star from Sarah land. He's not going to be here until May. So like, is there like, who's the alpha in the room, right? So when you ask that question, who are the candidates? You've got Jeremy Bernard who transferred in from Washington. He knows the offense. He's comfortable there. I think even Shepard said this week that he's helping a lot of the guys get familiar with it. Um, you've got Kobe Prentice, who I think a lot of us really like. He flashes in small moments, started some as a freshman. He's going to step into Isaiah Bond's role in the slot, we believe. Um, and Isaiah Bond was the most targeted receiver last year in that offense. So there's potential there. Obviously, Ryan Williams is out here over here. But there's the one thing that I think is really interesting, though, is that it could be somebody that we're not thinking of. And I point to Roma Dunze as a potential like example of that, because the last two years at Washington, him, Penix, and DeBoer, he caught like 170 passes for 2,700 yards and 20 touchdowns in 27 games. Before DeBoer showed up, in two years, he had like 40 total catches for 400 yards and two touchdowns in like 13 games. Like not, he's he wasn't the top 10 pick that we see today, right? So I wonder like, 
you know, who's the guy that DeBoer and Shepard and Sheridan is going to identify and be like, that's going to be our dude. We need to put him in the alpha position. And that's the receiver that we're going to see maybe blow up in this offense. And maybe it's not a receiver. Maybe it's, you know, again, they got to lean into the run game a little bit and it's going to be more Justice Haynes at the beginning of the fall. But, you know, they clearly have a track record of being able to identify a number one or, you know, multiple go-to productive receivers within this offense. I'm curious who they are going to pick out of this crowd. Like, who is it going to be at Alabama? Well, and, and let's not mistake, this crowd is talented. It hasn't put it together the last few years, frankly. They've underachieved and not had an alpha. Let's remember this is talent that they have not had at Washington and other stops as a whole and on paper. And that only means so much. you got to translate it to the field. But I think the reason you should be confident in the receiver room growing dramatically is because they've worked with less before and they've figured out a way to make it work. I am I think it's clean slate across the board when it comes to receivers, and I think that's kind of, frankly, exciting to see because they've kind of underperformed the last few years. Yeah. Jalen Hale. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hale did nothing but run deep routes last year. So if they can get a quarterback that can get him the ball, he might be running more deep routes this year, but they might be productive deep routes. Um, that's really all I had in terms of like a spring ball preview. I know we're going to have plenty of time over the next month and a half to talk about spring ball, what we're hearing, what we're seeing. Um, but you guys, got any other final thoughts before we sign off for today? Nothing on my end. Again, just glad to have Alex on board. I think fans are really going to uh, enjoy hearing from him in, in the future here. And yeah, I appreciate the warm welcome, you guys. I'm really excited, happy to be on board, happy to be staying in Birmingham, covering a team I really know and working with a group of people I really respect this is a great team I'm walking into and happy and looking forward to finding my role. We are, we're going to have some fun, man. And this spring I think is going to be super interesting and super fun for a lot of different reasons. It always is because it's Alabama, but now that there's a brand new head coach involved and there's all sorts of changes going on around the program, going to be that much more under a microscope. Mike and Alex, I appreciate you guys joining me for today's show. We'll be back sometime next week. Maybe talk some hoops, maybe talk some early spring practice stuff that we pick up early in the week. In the meantime, though, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Believe we're running a VIP special because we're always running a VIP special. Should absolutely take advantage of that, especially now that Alex is on board. He's going to be writing a lot of dope stuff for us over the next few, I don't know, however long you're going to be on the team. Long time. Be sure to sign up. Be sure to sign up. (laughs) Appreciate you again, Alex and Mike, for joining us. We appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you all again soon. Peace.